This is NADP Resurrection, the podcast where we talk about this week in gaming news. Then we have a topic. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about licensed games, our favorite licensed games, which ones we'd like to see actually do good. Just pretty much the whole topic of that. And then we do some game recommendations and then our final thoughts. So uh, I'm your host, Joseph Burchett. And with me today, I have Lionel. Hello. There we go. And we have... Sadly, not Mike. Today we have a a a, a, a a oh god, just him not being here is throwing me off. A uh, weird pocket of silence that is Mike's absence. <laughs> right, right. So we are going to try and push through this. Yeah. So unfortunately, you get to see our long-suffering straight man Joe Face uh, try and wrangle me single-handedly, handedly, handedly. Oh god! And so it begins. Ah, uh, this is gonna be good. I like this. This is I got a good feeling about this. All Oof. right, um, we were already actually talking about it in the first article uh, in the I guess in the pre-show. I guess you could say it was. But uh, so the first article is by Polygon. Call of Duty: Infinity Wars debut trailer gets savaged on YouTube. Activision responds. So basically, in this, they released the reveal trailer for their newest version of Call of Duty, and man. Uh, just the people on YouTube just tore into it. It got 344,000 upvotes. And what people are calling, I think the, the, the first YouTube video that had the most downvotes, it has 2 million downvotes, which is just ridiculous. And I know, Lionel, you had some stuff to say about this particular video. Yeah, so all of you downvoting this thing, um, I mean, there's something to be said for just your personal opinions, personal preference. That's fine, but but yeah. don't fucking ruin this for me. Right. Okay? I have been waiting for these two worlds to meet. I have been waiting for, like, the sort of elseworld, off-world, crazy shooter set in some fictional setting or something crazy, just something out of the norm. To combine with the gritty ass realistic shooter usually associated with a specific period. Yeah. I've wanted to see like all the like the gritty realism, the attention to detail, the sort of like military cool you associate with these like Call of Duty games applied to something outside of the norm. I'm amazed that it hasn't no one's even tried to like ape them and do it before them. Mm. Yeah. But no, we're finally getting to see it, and people are bitching and moaning and complaining because it's not like the same old shit over and over. Or it's like, <laughs> it's like it's it's for the same reason why I like never play any of those Cab- Cab- Cabela, Capella, Cab- whatever those hunting games. Yeah, like if they were to apply this, like do something interesting with it and apply it to like I don't know, hunting like an alien or hunting some sort of super powered thing or something like that. Take all the realism, take all the stuff you like about it, and then apply it to something fictional. So it's like, okay, take your very human means and face down this impossible task. You know, (laughs) it would be something to pull in a person who isn't already fully into not only this kind of game, but more than likely the, the kind of lifestyle associated with the world that game is in. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's just, there's, there's a lot of people who are kind of interested or will never be anything more than casual because there's nothing going on there. And again, that's fine. You don't have to make the game for them. You can't demand their dollars either. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just what looking at this video too, I actually got pumped and it's been a long time since I've gotten excited for a call of duty game. I think the, the last 
Call of Duty game that really just, just blew my, I mean, it just blew my mind completely away was Call of Duty 2. And that, that was just like, I think that like just blew everyone away with that. Well, and then, um, Call of Duty 2, that was like, uh, first time getting to see those new gen graphics. Yes. And, and basically just getting to see the setting we'd seen over and over really done justice. Yeah, and the the sound design was just simply yeah. amazing. That really, really did it well. And then when Modern Warfare 1 and 2 came out, it that was just like the next set. They, they really just amped it all up to like the next level. And it was just mind-blowing. But then Black Ops, I mean, they still did really well, but I kind of fell completely off on that point. And mm-hmm. then now with this one, they're really trying to just push the whole futuristic thing. And... I mean, like, with, I'm totally with you that I do not know why people are complaining. They're, it's not like they're doing a straight-up Halo here. They're not yeah. fighting aliens. This isn't aliens. This isn't no. Independence Day. This is this the next step. Looks, this basically looks like um, Planet Civil War. That's exactly what Featuring some crop of humanity that found that, like like snuck in the space kind of like kind of secretly kind of i don't know but yeah well or like this is basically where how kind of you're you're fighting over land like in um you, you know uh like in in like in um in america or just whatever you're fighting over land in some sort of country essentially in this in the world of call, this world of call of duty the next piece of land they're fighting over is you know just supposedly on the moon or something or mm-hmm. some other planet but if you really look at it it's not like from what I'm this seeing. is hard sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah. no magic. There's no like, oh, we're this lost tribe of humans no, that no. space in the '70s. Or <laughs> I, may right. have, I may have stolen that plot from an anime. Um, <laughs> there's no Giver that they're finding. Yeah, there's no, there's no Giver unit. Oh, spoilers, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. And if you really take a look at it, once again, they're flying like right outside of Earth's atmosphere. So it's it's not like they're just traveling to all these faraway planets. I mean, we don't yeah. know that's really happening yet. There's, but there's no like like uh, space jumps or anything. Yeah, going. yeah, no. They're just it's just a military game that just you know they're really taking advantage of all the tech. And I mean, it, this seems completely plausible in like maybe the next couple of decades. So I don't see this being too far-fetched. That's why it didn't seem kind of out there for me. It seemed really, really awesome because it, yeah. it seems so. It, it still it was out there, but it still seemed grounded enough that it all made sense or and could make it's, sense. It's not even completely off base because I want to say like the tech you saw in there leading up to the space guy showing up is stuff that was in previous games. Right. Like I want to say, yeah. the big hook for the games prior to this was like like war of the future or some shit like that and people had like like exo powered exoskeletons yeah. and yeah yeah so this stuff was in the previous game yeah they're just building on top of that i mean exactly i so, mean I, I don't know i mean looking at all the amount of downvotes 2 million downvotes i really think like i was saying earlier before we started this that it's just like probably half of those are people just jumping on board with with everyone jumping else on a bandwagon yeah it's i mean they're just i mean if you actually read the comments um a lot of them are saying you know you know i'm just going to i'm just going to do it just to do it and you know i'm just going to just tag it so it's i'll judge it yeah. when i see it when i play it yeah there's a lot of like uh people being cautious and i can understand that it is something different yeah it's the, now, the only other thing where I completely understand why people are angry about it, and I really wish uh, Infinity War did not do this. So when this game comes out, what they're doing 
is their um, packaging with it Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, which is, um, I believe, a collection of the first games, or at least the, the first two Modern Warfares, together with more maps and other stuff like that. And But, but the mm-hmm. catch is, though, you can only ever get that remastered if you buy uh, in- Infinite Warfare. So they're bundling it with it. That's not fair. Yeah, because then you're forcing well, the fans to, to I, buy it. Yeah, I think that goes into like what we were talking about uh, previously with the um, Star Fox. Well, no, more with the uh, the uh, the Tekken Cross Street Fighter oh. not coming out for a long time because they don't want to split their market. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's not that's not cool. I mean, yeah. yeah well, I mean, not... yeah. There's there's kind of like two crops of fans like if if it's that big a deal that they're separating them then you're looking at two crops of fans one mm-hmm. probably wouldn't fuck with the other thing anyhow because honestly i'm on the opposite end where i'm like yeah give me that uh hard sci-fi i don't give a crap about this remastered thing <laughs> that's right <laughs> but then you have all those really diehard fans that would want nothing more but just to see you know want yeah. for a comeback and this not even be realized yeah. at all so to them, I can, you know, I can see why they'd be really pissed. But once again, I, they're the minority. I mean, yeah. Yeah, in the comment that Infinity War was making, they were, they were saying that, you know, guys, we know you are the, one of the most passionate set of gamers when it comes to Call of Duty. And we completely appreciate that. But guys, come on. Looking at our numbers, the amount of pre-orders that are in, yeah, we're not budging on this. We're, we're fine. So we're not going to pull back on anything you know, we we understand how you guys feel about this change, but the, just get over it. <laughs> it's like just just be cool. Yeah, be cool. We got something for you too. Just be cool. Exactly. And and I, I bet you, when all these peoples, all these haters buy the game, and even though they say they won't, they will. When they buy the game, they're gonna just they're gonna eat it up, and they're probably gonna just yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's just how it works. Yeah. So yeah. Infinity Ward, you have excited the Joe. And well, and me too. Yes. And, and the, the cables. Lionel. Yes. Trevor Cables is pumped. Oh, very much so. And we are both not heavy duty shooter guys, so that no, is an accomplishment. We are not. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've you've pulled a new crop of like players into it. Yes. Alright, so this next one here is just another another big uh reveal trailer first official trailer for Battlefield 1, which is our comic. A little weird. The Battlefield yeah, 1. Yeah, I was about to say, the name on that's a little strange. Yeah. I think, I think maybe if you'd attach the date. Now, is this World War One? Yes, maybe that's why that's they did why. it. That's why. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So, what, I, this is... Battlefield 2 is not World War Two. Stop <laughs> it, Battlefield. <laughs> just, a, just, just add to the 1, make it a date. Yeah. <laughs> Like nineteen something or WW or whatever, like Battlefield. Oh yeah, put a WW in front of it. Yeah, yeah. That actually would have sounded cool. Battlefield WW one or World War One. Something fix that title. Yeah, Yeah, that's the only problem because everything else looks tight. It does. These shooters. These I man, this is another shooter that's got me. I I have not been on the battlefield. I have not really played the battlefield games, but that one. It I like. That they're going back now again. It feels like it's almost been long enough that it's okay to go back. Yeah, well, I mean, well, here's the thing is that we're going back, but we're going back to a different war. And I think true. one that doesn't really get covered for the most part, it's either World War Two or Vietnam. Actually, this, I can't think of a game outside of like the hardcore PCs, you know, strategy games or whatever that 
have mm. ever really touched World War One. I. I mean, I'm sure Mike probably would have. Yeah, I mean, there's probably one, some RTSs out there that we know nothing about. But you have to be like, or maybe some shooters. I don't know, but like. Yeah. To get to those, you've got to be entrenched, no pun intended, in that world. Yeah, you do. you got to already be wading through it. You already know all the shit. It's old news to you. Uh, you know, noobs like us that are like, have like random bits of interest are not really going to find that. Or if we do find it, it's probably not made right. for the general audience. Exactly. So... Uh, this one just got nothing but just good. I mean, it was 28 million views so far, over um, like 15, uh, over, over 14 million upvotes, 26 downvotes. Not, not, who cares? But um, the thing about the World War One, I, I mean, World War Two was bad. Obviously, we all know that. But the thing about the first war, uh, World War was it was brutal because they were just now starting to learn how to use all these different new technologies, yeah. and and it was just um, you know. Everyone was new to this this whole you know this the whole idea of having a war at this scale. So the mm-hmm. you know the generals were making really the best decisions and lots of bad things. All the trench warfare was being introduced, and it was well, just, it was you just imagine bad. that there was, there was a lot of like accidental fatalities and oh yeah, oh yeah, ac- yeah yeah. Um, one of the things I think like I'm not sure if Mike was quoting something else, but when it comes up, he'll usually say like World War One was horrific because oh, yeah. like technology had finally like had this is when technology basically caught up to the human capacity to murder yes and mustard gas and all these other things experimental things that they were Ooh, it was because i mean like like in the prior prior wars we were kind of like bound not only by like ideas of tradition and stuff like that i mean they used to line up yeah (laughs) but also just limited weaponry like you spend more time prepping the musket to fire than actually shooting (laughs) that's right that's right so the great thing about this that i from what i've seen what i've seen and just knowing about the first world war is that Unlike the the second one, where things were more organized, things were more focused, planned out. This is like straight up primal. People There's were just going at it. Sheer chaos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the trenches. I don't know how much they're going to focus on the trench stuff, but that that was like the most brutal. That part. would be interesting to actually have like a scene in the game where you're either digging the trench oh. out or having to cover for the guy digging oh man and like having... like you, you never really think of that you see these movies the trenches are already just there yeah i never thought They're about already that dug. oh man <laughs> but somebody's gotta go out there and dig that shit jesus and it's like right in no man's land just dealing with all that stuff and oh man yeah they could there's a whole bunch of directions they could take with this it, it can get brutal dirty and oh i'm excited I have not been excited for a shooter in such a long time. I, this is, oh, oh boy. Well, I mean, what do you think, Lana? Are you are you pumped for this one, just like Call of Duty? Oh, I'll play the hell out of it. Oh yeah, that's my thought. Oh man. Now the mustard gas thing. I don't know how they're going to do that. Are they going to give you the ability to throw the canisters out and it just starts spreading and you see people um, kind of, like melting away? Or... <laughs> probably, and it'll probably be a prompt to uh, put your gas mask on. Yeah. Someone else throws it. Oh man. And it just and now the, the the very end of the clip, they were showing um like a big uh like the airship, and I wonder how that's going to work out. I mean, are you going to be like fighting on top of one? Or are you going to be like just manning one? Or oh, there's just so many possibilities here. 
I'm just yeah. Hopefully, all of them. Yeah, the big ass dirigible there at the end. Like, yeah, I like that. That gets depicted as like the monster. <laughs> it just it was, like he was looking up as like if he it was, was looking God. at Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> like ah, oh, like he was looking at that spaceship in Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, the music. But that's playing. what that was back then. It was, and the music there. I, I kept completely forgetting something parade. I. I no, that was a uh, ground control to Major Tom or was some it? shit like that. Yeah, maybe that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, it was something White Stripes. It was a song by White Stripes, if I can remember. But I, I, that it was probably it was probably them covering. Yeah, yeah, old. yeah. So it's woo, that's two shooters, two good trailers dropped in the same week. Wait, no, no, I'm I'm mixing I'm mixing the two trailers up now. Oh, you mean? Oh, we thinking about the music for the first uh, yeah. the Call of Duty one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it yeah. was the same for both, where it's like, okay, this song, I wonder why they didn't just make something original, that they're just kind of using something yeah. well, whatever. As long as they're not using Eminem for the Call of Duty trailers, they used him a lot for the previous ones. I don't mind crap that gets you ready to fight. Well, as long as it fits, because, okay. That could be a topic in and of itself, because like there were those... The song is called Mad World. Those um on Gears of War. Gears of War trailers. That was perfect. No, no. The only time it's perfect right. is when he's standing in the room and the big ass monster just kind of leers down on him. When he's uh, like, yeah, you hear this sad guy going, "What a faces," and he's like running around, jumping through a window, shooting and throwing grenades. I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> you really? You thought it? I thought it fit nicely. You didn't think it? Like, how about the lyrics? You didn't think it played well with what was happening in the trailer? Really? Um, well, here's the thing. That song's got a, uh, a aspect of... Hold on a second. What? Oh, jeez. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, but, uh, you know, that song's got a definite, like, melancholy edge to it. Oh, so yeah. So it was when fit- he's sitting in that, like, dark room with something evil leering over him, it fits. Well, but when he's, like, running around, like, gritted teeth, jumping through windows, killing shit, that's. <laughs> ain't nothing sad about that. Like, it's one thing if there's, like,. Him just kind of like standing there shooting with gritted teeth as you see like death and shit around him. Mm. But it's just like they took an action scene and played sad music over it. So you're supposed to be sad. Well, I, th- I think they were doing that because you were you were they wanted you to kind of get the feel of what he was going through. Like why? OK, even though he was shooting and killing stuff, but there's like a bigger picture there. I mean, like the world is basically falling or falling apart around him and he's in this, in this struggle for that moment. You know, and they're trying to show the struggle by him just basically fending for his life. So mm-hmm. that's what I was getting for him. Yeah, it. there's just running and jumping. Y- you don't if he were stationary mm. and dealing with that stuff. And, like, you just saw these, like, forces that he's trying to mow down and crouch on him. Right. That might have been a bit better. But. I see. It's, it's, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, some of this is just personal preference. Uh, it clashed for me, again, up until he was the in. Final, yeah. That final shot. No, that final shot is where I'm, I'm in with you. Because that mm. was amazing. That was. That matched it perfect. Because, mm. like. 
you could even look at that shot as like an allegorical sense. That's just like his, whether it's like his demons consuming him or like this darkness around him or, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's poetic on top of being apt. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted the whole thing to be that. Uh, okay, I, I get what you're saying now. So you wanted the feel of that final moment to be consistent across the entire trailer. If it were across the whole thing, that'd be the best trailer ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it just kind of just depends on how you want to view yeah. what's going on there. But uh, yeah, um, I, I see your point. So something it. to mention that I'm not a Gears of War fan. Mm. So there's it, there's kind of like nothing in there from the start for me. Because so, really, you don't really connect with any of what's going on. Yeah, or, yeah. Well, when I look at Gears of War, I think like gung ho, grunt ass, <laughs> military ass, like dude, bro, big neck. Look at all that juice. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus, his name is Coltrane. So, I mean, that, what, what? I mean, right there, that's telling you, you know, he's, he's exactly the meathead that you were just talking about. I mean, he yeah, calls himself meathead. Coltrane. Super duper meathead ass meathead. Yeah. And then you have this like it's. Like basically like a really artistic uh approach, like a means of like depicting this, but he's doing meathead ass meathead shit. Yeah, and that kind of makes it hard to want to care. And some of that's not fair, because I'm just kind of writing off this meathead guy as like well, but he's jumping through a window and running and diving and look at me, I'm cool, but this is supposed to be sad. Ignore me being cool, this is sad. Well, it's a, it's a, what you, um, your feeling is totally legit because in the, the first Gears of War, uh, I mean, it came out, everyone liked it and stuff. And the second one, they were trying to make it so that they, people could care more about the characters because people were saying the, about the first one, exactly the stuff you were just saying. It's just a bunch of crazy meatheads killing and shooting everything. Yeah. And, and just like, like, remove the story, give us the multiplayer. That's all we care about. Yeah. So they tried in the second one to kind of change that and put a bit more mm-hmm. story into it and less about the meatheads just kind of like spanking each other's asses. Yeah. Each yeah. Other high fives. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hard though because, I mean, the game itself, you just look at it, all the characters are set up. Up that way they're set up to be super crazy marine meathead yeah. people so and and you know there's there's people who have that 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 appeals to them whether it's like on a personal level like it's kind of something they find to be cool or strive for or whatever or they just kind of find it amusing or it just kind of fits the tone whatever there's nothing wrong with that yeah no, no that's not bad and the gameplay in that i mean i'm not a big shooter guy but the gameplay seemed really good yeah, the whole cover mechanic. I mean, that yeah, whole... the whole like stop and pop thing, and very much the struggle to gain ground. That's a uh, that's a good. It's a it's a really good mechanic. I yeah. mean, I don't want this to sound like I'm just dumping on, like just everything we've said so far that I'm dumping on shooters is just like like games for meatheads type thing. It's just I like to have something geared towards me too. Yeah, actually... I don't want it necessarily to to necessarily be the thing that other people were playing. I don't want to take a franchise from somebody mm. but like no one else was doing it that's why you're so excited about the new call of duty yeah. it's, it's, it's targeted to you they're finally doing it yeah all right what we got next here oh so the next one is uh by the verge virtual reality theme park the void opening its first outpost in Times square so in new york and so in the past episodes, we've talked a lot about VR and all these headsets and how freaking expensive they are and how we'll never be able to afford them. 
But this is personally, as I've talked to many, many people where I feel where VR will shine like crazy is that having it in theme parks like or having it in places like Chuck E. Cheese or essentially making VR the new laser tag. The new arcade. Yeah, the new arcade. Make it giving it You know what? That might really be the way to go because like it's it's so expensive to have in the home. Yeah. But if you make it, you know, something people can just sit down and play in a set location, you know, people, I'm sure a lot of people are willing to go out, especially like you put it in like a Dave and Busters or oh, something like that, where it's yeah. it's just kind of an attraction. That's perfect. Or, or even like depending on where the money is, you can put it in like a, like a bar or something, make like a little barcade or some shit. I mean, you know, there's it's it's something new. So there's like room to explore, figure out where this is best utilized. Yeah. And yeah. No, I mean that's I'm down. I, no, I'm totally I'm that's ex- everything you just said is exactly where I feel VR is absolutely perfect for because let's just say we can afford it. Let's say we can both, you know, get we get we both get like VR headsets like uh, let's say the HTC Vive. Well, that's only just part one of the problem. Sure, we've gotten past the price. The second deal is now now we need to really set up everything to have that perfect room scale experience. So now you're going to have to set up these little individual cameras up in your room, move mm. things aside in your living room mm-hmm. so you actually have space to start moving around. And yeah. then once you've finished setting everything up and you've made a special part of your, your house or apartment specifically for VR, mm-hmm. then finally you'll be able to have the experience that you know they want you to have. And- Except, mm. right? What are you going to do? Just listen to it in some headsets or some some sound from the TV? That's not going to be apt. How do you know if something's sneaking up behind you? What if it's coming above? What you also need now is surround sound. That Well, they have the headsets, but you would still need to, yeah, they have little... I mean, let's be real. If you really want to do this justice, surround sound. So, I mean, and also, we also need to buy the rig. So you actually mm-hmm. buy the rig that's going to cost you maybe like to get a really good one that's set up for VR, I think they can cost me around four hundred or six hundred dollars. So, okay, so you got the <laughs> you got the headset, you got the the rig you need to buy, and you need to have the space, and you need to set everything up every time you want to play the game. And or you just, surround sound, yeah, and surround sound. You're right, and also get the controllers too, which um, I believe come with the, the HTC Vive, but the Oculus you need to buy them separately. So mm. you you spend all that money, and then you got to buy the games. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, you're right. I forgot, I forgot about the actual content you're going to be consuming. Let's, yeah, let's buy the actual games. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so after you're broke and, like, begging for money on the streets, then you'll finally get to play. Or you just go to one of these awesome new theme parks by the companies called The Void, and they'll take care of all of that for you. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is pay them – how much was it? Let me see the price. The price is you pay them 10 to $20 for mm-hmm. a 15-minute experience, I'm sure that'll give you more time in the, uh, in, the, in the future. But and they'll give you the headset, they'll give you the the gun, they'll give you the you know the the, the, the like the big like vest and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and you get to have an amazing kick-ass experience that's set up perfectly just for you, and you get insanely immersed in, into all into that world, and you don't have to worry about any of that craziness. So mm-hmm. that sounds beautiful. That is what oh, I want. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really that. I mean, that's that's one of the things. Yeah, that sounds like the way to go. The most cost effective for someone who wants to take in VR but doesn't have the kind of money to make that sort of investment. Right. Yeah. And especially if you know you want to experience like the real deal, the big time. 
Um, and it's not like this is going to detract from people doing it at home. I mean, one, a future story is going to cover what's going to make doing this at home easier. But two, you know, we had the arcade experience alongside the Genesis and the, even the NES and, you know, infinitely lower end thing at home that had the convenience of home and then the high end thing. Right. At the place you got to go to. That's, that's probably going to harmonize more than detract from one another. And again, this is, this is new. This is different. There's no clear cut, correct, right way that dwarfs any other way about doing this. Hopefully, everything works i hope i hope so too but you know this also gives people the chance to customize the experience maybe it's not just okay this game set up here you know put it on and play it you know the people who have like like all the weird stuff you saw at gdc like the right. ones that had the uh treadmills on them yeah the crazy guns uh maybe there's something that'll like suspend you in air or let you bunch <laughs> up right. climb or like i keep hearing about this game that's like sit on this sort of like elevator platform that goes up as you win Jesus. sort of thing imagine that would be our you know it uh, you know, there's there's a world of possibilities ahead of you yeah and instead of you having to dish out thousands and thousands of dollars for all these crazy inventions why not let these people creating this theme park just do it all for you so that way when you just choose the experience you want like mm-hmm. you know i want to have the most i want to explore this alien world and you know mm-hmm. uh, then they'll just give you all the tools you need all the equipment you need you go into the room put the headset on and then bam you're now immersed in that crazy awesome world and you get to walk around and explore it's I mean, that's what you want. Probably kill some shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... So, I mean, like, how it works is that they have, like, a big, big room, kind of like how they do with laser tag. But in this <laughs> case, you put on the VR headset, and they'll kind of walk you and guide you down. And there's apparently going to be actors, because, like, going back to the article, the the experience that they're going to... The, the first real experience they're going to be doing outside of their main headquarters, which is in Utah, I believe, or Colorado, this, is, uh, this experience is going to be a Ghostbusters experience in New York. So what you're going to call exactly. So what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to explore like, you know, their, the the Ghostbusters home base and you get to walk around. There's going to be actors everywhere that you can interact with. And so it's Mm -hmm. just going to be a fun experience. So yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's, that's, I'm totally down. Yeah. And I hope, I really hope that that company takes off and we start to see more of that, like all over the place. Because mm-hmm. that's it's going to be the most accessible way for people to get introduced to VR and for yeah. people to actually want it to keep coming. Uh, okay, so this next one here kind of leads to what you were just saying about how, making a way so that we can kind of experience VR in a very cheap, in a very cheap way. Um, so this article's by um, by The Verge, and there's a company, or this could be the name of their product, called V Ridge. Puts PC VR games on your Google Cardboard phone. So for people who don't know, Google Cardboard is essentially just a piece of cardboard that Google made that is a very, like, super cheap VR headset. It's like $30, but you can buy them on eBay for like 15 or maybe even lower than that. And it's very cheap, very flimsy, and you just slide your phone in there, and it has some lenses in there that kind of lets you have that experience. Yeah, it reflects things in that way. That... Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so... What this company is trying to do is they're trying to make it so that you don't have to buy this insane, like, you know, this 
was you were saying, like, don't have to spend $1,500. Yeah, uh, that insane amount of money we were detailing. (laughs) Yeah, so you don't have to do all that craziness. All you'll need is just your phone, a Google Cardboard, or some other cheapy, like, headset. And then you use... Uh, so essentially, you set up some. You download their. There's two app. programs. There's uh, one program for your computer and one program for your and one app on your phone, and yeah. they kind of sync up. You're streaming it pretty much. Yeah. So the question that I'm still curious about, though, does that mean that it's just streaming it from your 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 computer, or is it doing the whole on live type thing where it's streaming the game from their <laughs> service to your phone? And it just has to sync up with the computer. That's where it's well, coming from. Yeah, I think in the in the article they asked if you have a decent computer. So I imagine it's playing on your computer and streaming ah, to Okay, so that's what it's doing. All right, that's still pretty cool. I mean, that, that kind of yeah. cuts the price down in half so you don't have to buy a super high-quality well, headset, yeah. but you need a rig still. Well, you need it. Well, it depends on the specs. You may not need an especially high-end computer. Depending. Right, yeah. So either way, though, I'm glad they're doing this, but because... you know this is this is the low cost alternative. Yeah, I mean that's it's they're making the barrier of entry entry for VR much lower, so that pretty much anyone could just dive in there and start playing a really you know big game. Because I mean, I, there's always really awesome VR games coming out, but it's always for either Oculus or for HTC Vive or PlayStation VR. But with this thing, you can now play those insanely awesome experiences if you have the computer that can handle it. Without have needing that in you know incredibly expensive headset, so that's awesome. I like that. Really, that's what's going to hold everyone up on. Oh yeah, getting this stuff. It's not going to be as much as people like to complain about a lack of titles on something. No, there's a lot it's, of games now. It's honestly going to be whether or not you can afford to get into this to begin with, because. These prices yeah. are insane, even by gaming standards. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we are in the early days. I mean, this is like the, the, the headsets all dropped like this year. So I would say, I mean, right now we're in the early adopter phase. So I mean, if you're really super like you gotta have it, then you're you're gonna have to be spending a truckload of money. But I would give it like another two or three years. Wait for that stuff to come down in price. It's going to, but you just I, I wouldn't do it now. I just. There's no killer app, at least from what I've seen. There's a lot of cool games coming out, but it's a lot more demos than actual like full blown like the next big Halo or whatever type of game. So I don't know. I, uh, yeah, well, people are still trying to figure it out right now. Exactly. So things things are going to be relatively simple, and a lot of it is just going to be the novelty of this new thing. Exactly. Uh, you're, you're not going to see anything especially groundbreaking like until I see my. Uh, <laughs> That quick draw game or that uh, VR <laughs> poker. Ooh, VR poker. That sounds fun. Well, yeah. Well, then you can like, um, well, I mean, they do some of this in, uh, what is it, Poker Night? But you're playing it basically against cartoon characters. So everything they do is over the top and exaggerated. But if you have like a VR system, then like spotting tells mm. can be, you know, can be a game in and of itself. And, you know, from there, there's also just just the mechanics of poker. You can actually maybe come up with like a bluff system. And I don't know (laughs) if you can like they'll have it like read your face or what, like if they have the camera set up, (laughs) maybe there'll be something there where you just got to try and keep a straight face the whole time or (laughs) but (laughs) you know, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with this. But, you know, it's got you got to take some time to figure it out. 
Now, that, see, stuff like that, some of the other examples that people have been giving with where VR is just perfect for, let's just say that, you know, back in high school with all your buds, you guys would play D&D together, but then as you all grew up, went to college and went your separate ways, now you got your friend, like, Bob, who lives in New York, and you got, like, Frank, who lives in, like, you know, Texas or something, and they, they can't have that same experience, but VR... You can, you, simulate yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can simulate the room. Yeah, you can simulate the room and have the board. Put everyone and, in the same room, the same yeah, digital room. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I mean, it's not as great as actually physically being there, but I, I still think that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, there's not, that's good. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's it's a little funny to imagine that versus actually uh, simulating the quest. <laughs> it's, that's true. VR, but that's okay too. You, you know, for whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, because I've I've played D and D on occasion with some people, and it was fun. Like yeah. you get a good group; it's fun as hell. Yeah, you get the, the dialogue going back and forth, and just the kind of the excitement of you know everyone how they like they how they interact with everything. No, it can be yeah. really fun. But you put you right though. Like you just all you're you're sitting at a virtual table playing virtual D and D when then you have that one guy who says, "Hey guys, uh, we could just actually go on a quest together. You want to just do that?" Uh, <laughs> I can't really drink beer and do that first person stuff. And then another guy's <laughs> like, "Yeah, I get motion sickness." <laughs> all right, I'll roll the dice. So yeah, it's, yeah. No, but you know, you can do that with other stuff too. Like you can play like card games, like like play poker. Or- uh, uh, gin rummy or old maid or some other shit. <laughs> well, like vir- virtual pool. Like how many games are called virtual pool? And yeah, that would be fun. You actually, have virtual pool. <laughs> <laughs> or you could bring back the whole idea of um all your you know all of us sitting on a couch together just playing a game, which is kind of yeah. weird. You know, we're playing a game together in VR. Yo, dog, I heard you like playing games. <laughs> so what we did was. We put a game in your game, <laughs> so you can play while you play. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is the title of this episode. All right. <laughs> well done. That was fantastic. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. Um, I, I really hope that we see more companies doing stuff like this, lowering the entry, the barrier of entry for VR, because I think people are starting to realize that this shit's expensive and we got to find cheaper alternatives so more yeah. people can play. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, next one here. I am so excited. I almost shat my pants. It was, it was beautiful. So Poly, not article by Polygon. Um, Nintendo finally released details for Pokemon Sun and Moon starter Pokemon. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad it's not a retelling of the original. So am I. It is it's it's like a whole what excites me about this is that like unlike all the other Pokemon games, it took place more kind of a like in an urban area where it was like lots of cities and stuff like that. It, there's still like towns and stuff in this one, but it seems to take place on like a tropical island kind of. So like everyone's wearing flip flops and stuff and like Hawaiian shirts and whatever, but it's just, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's sitting there. It's literally based on Hawaii. That is, that's awesome. It's and different. that's, that's a really interesting setting. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and I like that everyone seems to reflect that. Yes. Like it's not just some region you go to and, no, no, this is this is this is just this part of the world. 
because it's it's the one weird thing about Pokemon because they t- they call these areas regions, but it's like I feel like I just <laughs> traveled across the planet, and you're gonna telling me th- you're gonna tell me there's this other place called Johto that's like another planet-sized area. Like, <laughs> how big is this planet they're on? <laughs> that's right. So, Kanto, Johto, Sinnoh, and uh, I don't know how many other ones, and they're they, they're all. <laughs> then there's the Indigo Islands. There's there's a whole bunch. They're all over the place. Yeah, and they're all massive. They really are. They really are. Uh, so this surprised me a little bit. The three starters here is um, the typical. They have fire and grass and water type. But was a little bit. I found a little different. Is that uh, they mixed it up though? Because one of um, one of the type one of the Pokemon the grass two types, type. It's is it, what it's was it grass and flying. Yeah, it's an owl. Its name is Rolets. Rolets. That's a name. Um, that's a little different because usually that type of Pokemon is not great because fi- both those types are weak against fire so you're like well yeah you gotta keep that that chain going because remember the rival always picks the one yeah strong right. against yeah. yours yeah the other two um the fire kitten looking thing which is what is his name uh lit litten litten kitten litten oh my god i just got that litten kitten uh, yeah. So, yeah, and then the, the water type, which is a seal-looking thing called... That's the c- most cracked-out-looking one of the three. <laughs> Pop- Popolio? Its name is cracked out. Popolio. Yeah. Popolio. Uh, it, yeah, it's a seal. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But yeah, those are all the details they've given so far for it, just kind of the region and the different starters. But I'm excited. It's going to be using the X and Y look, so it's all 3D. Um yeah. It looks amazing. I, I guess I hadn't seen X and Y prior to this because this, this like the graphics on this look nuts. Yeah, they um. So X and Y is when they completely revamped the the whole game, so it was all three D instead of two D. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it's completely different now. And you can customize the look of your character. You can. What I thought was neat was there. Um, you do. So the point of view, there's two point of views. There's the um, over the top, which is the, the traditional one. But that's all the previous games were. And you can also switch the camera to um, behind the shoulder, which is the one they were going with X and Y. So I like how you can kind of swift, switch from classic camera mode to the into the the new camera mode. So you can see it from both perspectives. That's nice. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So that's all the details for that. Um, we'll see what. They do with it's coming out in November eighteenth. I love they gave a date, so now I know what to plan for. I'm ex- I'm excited for that. Uh, thank you, Nintendo. Thank you. Uh, well, actually, thank you, Game Freak, the ones who make the games. Nintendo just publishes them. Uh, all right, next one here. What we got? Oh yes. So the next article is by The Verge and Nintendo 2DS. They did a huge price cut here. Now it's seventy nine ninety nine. That is that is like. That's a that's a game. That's a little higher than a game. So I'm a little puzzled in why they're doing this now. I mean, now they're going to be going to mobile next. Um, uh, there's all the rumors about Nintendo NX, which is their next big console or handheld or whatever. Or so, both. Yeah, right. Good, good point. Or both. So why are they doing this? I don't... Any ideas? Um... It is a little weird. I don't know if it's anything more just like a treat to the late adopters. Like, mm. okay, here you go. Here's something cheap for you. Um, it's weird. I don't... Yeah, I'm kind of puzzled, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, 
the agenda is not so clear this time, especially since their focus is elsewhere. Right. One thing, if they were like games coming out, the only thing I can think is maybe just uh, get it into the get uh, sun and moon into the hands of people. Yeah, and I mean E three is coming up in June, so next month mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe is to get people excited for E three, like you know, saying or maybe to kind of get the attention again. Like oh wow, Nintendo just did a price cut. Maybe and uh, actually, yeah, of these things or yeah, Mm, yeah. I'm 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 really puzzled. Usually they do price cuts when either the well the life of the console is coming near its end, which kind of is. Maybe that's why then, or they do a price cut because they want to kind of get you. Well, yeah, I don't really know. Well, maybe they're they're trying to sell off some more. Depending on when the uh, NX comes out, they're trying to sell off some more stock before this new. Interesting. That's the only thing I can think of. That's a that's a good point too. And they did say also that they're going to be coming out with versions, uh, like bundled versions later on with the digital version of Mario Kart Seven pre-installed already on the device. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess maybe they're just unloading stuff at this point. Maybe that's I I got nothing. Yeah, I mean their next big handheld um, release. I'm... Hmm? Uh, what was it? No, I was just gonna say I'm still probably gonna get like a a 3ds rather than the 2ds, just because um, one of the games I want to get apparently makes good use of the 3d. And really, I actually thought the 3d was okay in the sense that like it was more about depth than like popping out. So the problem with the 3d is is that at least for me anyway is that I actually almost played i can't remember which game i played all the way almost all the way through with it on it just it started to hurt my eyes after a while so mm-hmm. that's why i had to turn it off or at least tone it down a little bit because it was just um when you turn it all the way up it it really gets to you a little bit um mm-hmm. maybe you, okay. maybe you can take it a little bit better than i can but it's it's uh, a, it my, becomes a strain my experience with it's a bit limited but uh well one of the games i'm interested in it i think it's like a a Sega collection. Oh, nice. And they like, uh, like retooled these games to utilize the 3d really well. And the two games I'm thinking about are, Gunstar are Heroes. Was that one of well, them? Gunstar, I don't know if Gunstar heroes is on there, but if it's on there, I'll play the ever loving shit out of it. Um, Afterburner and space Harrier. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so they, like. so they remade them to, okay. Yeah, well, also, apparently, they, like, do some really good stuff with, like, the uh, parallax scrolling in Sonic. You, like, utilize the 3D for depth in that regard, and it just makes everything kind of pop. Ooh. Okay, well, if they do it right, I mean, if they act, maybe that will kind of... Yeah, well, yeah, I want to say I heard a lot of people say that this isn't necessarily a bad idea, just clumsily implemented. Oh, you mean, like, overall? The 3D in general. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the only games that it worked really well with were Nintendo's first-party games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, they were making the games to work directly uh, with it. Uh, Also, too, you're probably making a good choice to go with a 3DS versus a 2DS. My brother has a 2DS, and it's just, it's not very comfortable. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, I appreciate the whole fold-in thing. Yeah, it's really not. I can't. I can't help but imagine I'd, I'd break the effort loving shit out of three. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I'm. I, I one of the things I take into account when I buy stuff is durability. I can't buy anything flimsy. I'm. Uh, I'm clumsy. I'm rough on myself, and by that, <laughs> then I'm rough on the things I own. Yeah. No, it's uh, it. So, 
you need. Yeah, some... I'll, I'll take something that has some scuff marks on it if I know it can handle some scuff marks, some more <laughs> scuff marks. That's just say. It has to be Lionel proof. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so definitely not a 2D, 2DS then. You don't want to get that. <laughs> um, okay, let's see here. The next one, another Nintendo article by IGN. Uh, Nintendo's next two mobile games are going to be free to play. Uh, we had talked about this a little bit previously when we were talking about their financial reporting stuff and there, so just, yeah, it kind of finalized it here that for sure their next two games are going to be Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem. And it's going to be, um, just they're working with DNA, which is a Japanese, uh, mobile gaming company. I guess they're the ones that are going to be making it or they're going to be working really closely with them. Okay. So now, are these um, just straight remakes of other games, or are these like uh, games made specifically for the mobile? These are going to be so they're going to be the traditional type of Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem game, but they're going to be built up from scratch just for mobile. So they're not, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I prefer that. I don't want like a no no sloppy version of like the that first fire emblem that came out for the gba except it's like oh you want to continue continue lynn's adventure past the tutorial give us five bucks right yeah no that's that's i always hated that it's too like, oh no permadeath unless you give us two dollars uh, that's like the worst that's the whole kingdom arts thing i was telling you about before <laughs> yeah no, that's just not not good um so so animal crossing their smartphone version will connect with uh, their new handheld slash console thing that's coming out, the NX. And um, they're saying Fire Emblem is going to be more accessible version of the classic series. So what they said, um, aims to offer the great value of role-playing strategy games. Okay, so it seems like they're going to try and streamline it with the feel of the classic games, but to kind of really um, take advantage of all the mobile you know, uh, control scheme and all that kind of stuff. So... That's good. That means they're really trying to work this through and make sure it feels really good, which I think is incredibly important. Oh, most definitely. Especially with their IPs. I mean, it's not like Fire Fire Emblem can be a very uh, um, intimidating, intimidating game if you've like. Oh yeah, that permadeath is scary. Yes, it is. Um, so we'll see how that that plays out. But if you also think about it too, the way that the game is already built, it's built to be a, for for touch. I mean, it's a turn based, uh, you know, tactics RPG or whatever. So, well, yeah, they've already had it on a touch based. Um, well, not necessarily touch dependent, but touch based system. Right, a, like a grid and everything. So, it's a perfect match for it. So I'm looking forward to that. I I like Fire Emblem a lot, um, and Animal Crossing is always fun. All right. Hey Nintendo. <laughs> Wins Gunstar Heroes. No, wait, no. Ah, God, yeah, seriously, Mike <laughs> not being here is throwing me off. Wins Advance Wars. Oh, God, that is... Mobile Wars. Come on now, come on now. You know you want to do it. So, see, Nintendo publishes it, but they don't make it. The, um, What company makes it? I... Intelligent Systems? Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I have Eat. not heard anything from them. They need to crawl out of whatever hole they crawled in and make us another game. I don't care where they put it. Right. Right. Mobile would make the most sense, though. That's like the absolute best place for that type of game. And so, yeah. I mean, like anyone who was mad at you for Days of Ruin won Get Over It. The <laughs> scheme of things, it wasn't that big a deal. And I mean, it was, it was, 
the unit balance was great. It was just the character balance that was off. Right. You know, minor yeah. thing. Yeah. Grand scheme of things, again, not that big a deal. It's actually fun to play is the most important thing. <laughs> so, you know, whether you want to make something else, you want to redo one of the old games, we don't care. We just we just want to we just want to know you're okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We love you. We care about you. And you're we're just here. calling to say hi. That's right. Just calling to make sure you're still alive. Intelligence systems, come on. You know we love you. Come on. Your your games have a special heart in both in me and Lionel because we yeah. played it all throughout high school. So, yeah, <laughs> may not have helped. <laughs> <laughs> with that whole getting a diploma thing. <laughs> but it also helped with the not killing ourselves thing. Right. And that's that's the important part. That's more important, let's be real. <laughs> that's right. What right. good's the diploma when you're dead? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's true. See? See, we, we need you. Come back. And others need you, too. You're a good company. Yeah. All right. Um, what we got here? Oh, so, next one. Assassin's Creed trailer... Premier, world premiere came out this week um, for the movie, and I have to admit, I know trailers somebody's been really fast in that movie. <laughs> yes, that's all I'm saying. So I know trailers; their whole purpose is to make something that could be pretty awful look great. But I like Michael Fassbender; he's a great actor, and mm-hmm. this movie doesn't look bad. I, I'm, Maybe it's just me. I mean, what did you think? Do you think it looks bad? It doesn't look bad. And and I appreciate that it's like, I'm pretty sure that's a set, the special position. I'm pretty, I want to see, we haven't touched that yet, have we? Or is that the first setting? I think so. No, the first setting is the Crusades. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure this is something different. And if if it's a different setting, like if it's a side story, then somebody finally got it right. <laughs> you do something in the same world that doesn't necessarily need to direct directly affect the events of the games. Right. In the sense that maybe later the games can call back to these events. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we've got another guy on the field. Uh, his name is blah, blah, blah. It's the name of the guy in the movie. Or you can even maybe have him come in later. But you set yourself up to serve both masters in a way that you know none of this stuff has done prior, where they ultimately end up alienating one side of the audience or the other by either going too far away from the source material, changing elements of it to make it work better on film, right? Yeah, or being too strict in alienating the basic movie-going audience, who's like, "What are all these elements? I don't understand." Well, you had to play the game to understand. Hmm. So here you go. You can pick and choose what you want here. You can still have it be loyal to it to the world of the games by just acknowledging the aspects of their shared world. But you know, you can do your own thing. You can tell your own story. You can have this character who may or may not make it. You can do all the good stuff and still not, you know, not necessarily not alienate people, but have to make significantly less effort not to alienate either side. Yeah, and that's feels like what they're doing here and i really at first i was like okay so they're they're going really hard with the whole you know their costumes just like in the game and honestly it doesn't look that bad 
I mean, the, yeah. the whole hood well, thing. Well, they, and... they kept it simple. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, okay, we've got to get this costume to a T exactly the way it looks. And when there isn't effort put into the costuming, then your actors look like cosplayers. Right. And they didn't look like cosplayers. They look like, mm-hmm. yeah, just assassins. You, you've got to put the, the costume together. I mean, sure, with the original one in mind, but also with the setting uh, in mind, too. It has to stand out in a way that seems natural. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me with the the new X Men movies when they had first came out and how everyone was. And just, had, it was all just the leather suits. Yeah, and, and people. I'm were just sure there were people shit. complaining, but they made sense. They did. I, I mean, people. I remember people were losing their mind when they didn't go with the original Wolverine costume. People. Oh just, yeah, yeah. All that bright ass yellow and blue. <laughs> yeah, and the pointy things. Or, that, and, and the yeah, the pointy ear mask or and the pointy boots and all that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. That's yeah. like not gonna work. You want to see like, like a lot of them skin tight suits they wear in the comics don't make sense in regards no. to physics. No, and the thing you, about you'd it, have to like like put put the spandex on them and then apply suction. <laughs> That's right, right. And, and then also you got to think too that all those costumes they used really bright colors, and it's just that didn't make sense. There's no with tactical tone. advantage to that. No, coming a mile away. Well, that and it didn't fit the tone. That they were trying to go for, it's like, oh, this is super serious, bright pink, yeah, and yellow and blue, but yeah, but but anyway, going back to what you were saying about the Assassin's Creed movie and kind of how they have to try and like just stay true to the game, but also kind of really just go their own way with it. Just well, really- one of the things they have to stay true to the setting. This, you're right, the setting. So you got like one set of costuming to just adhere to the time period. Now you have this another this additional set of costuming to this uh, fictitious element mm. that is supposed to be a nat- like like a part of this setting. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that way now the story is another question. I don't I don't know the Assassin's Creed story really well, so I don't know how closely they're sticking to it, but I mean from the little that I saw and they didn't they It didn't looks like they've hit all the right notes. Where yeah. it's namely all you got to do is you, you find someone, you put them in the animus, and then you go back in time. And that's all you need, right? You don't and need it to. It looks like they've hit all that stuff. And... Yeah. So it seems like they're using hopefully just enough where it's kind of staying, you know, true to the setting, like you were saying, but they're not yeah. going far with it where it's just ridiculous and it's just like. Yeah, and you got you to gotta have played all the games. I mean, the yeah. ideal here is that anyone who hasn't played Assassin's Creed prior to watching this. We'll watch it and then be like, "Ooh, I want to play that game." Yeah, yeah, and it's um, and I and from an acting standpoint, I know my we all know Michael Fassbender. He, like he'll, I said, he's fast all over the place. That guy's <laughs> he is. He really is. Um, I don't know much about the other actors or actresses, but we'll see. Either way, it you know, I I'm looking forward to more trailers. I want to see where they go with this. Right now, they're uh. Ratchet and Clank, the movie came out. It did really bad. Did not do well at all. Um, uh, Angry Birds, the movie is about to come out. Um, the trailers and stuff, and the I guess like the early showings, it's been kind of getting okay reviews and stuff. It's for babies, though, right? Yeah, it's for. I mean, so was Ratchet and Clank, but people were just yeah. saying, you know, it's just even a kids' movie. It's not a great movie. So, mm-hmm. but we'll see. We'll see how Angry Birds does. It's a shame that Ratchet and Clank didn't work because if you look at the Ratchet and Clank games, they're essentially just you're just playing an animated 
movie or cartoon or just something. like here you go your your half hour hour and a half cutscene. yeah and you would have thought that would have worked in the theater but apparently it has mm-hmm. the movie has come and gone and it's gotten really poor reviews so that's uh, that's a shame that is a shame and insomniac games they actually were working i believe working with them uh, excuse me working yeah. with the, the movie studio so i don't know so the another movies we have upcoming is the uncharted we talked a little bit about that before and the last of us but those are kind of in their own little hell right now but mm-hmm. we're seeing more of these game movies hopefully assassin's creed will be the one yeah maybe it'll be the uh the blade or the x-men or which this whichever one of those comic book movies you believe to be the one that set everything set the world ablaze so to speak yeah maybe it'll be that for game movies we'll see would you say that Spider-Man really kicked that up? What kicked it off for Marvel? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I want to say Blade was the first was one it? that really did it and like just blew the box office's butthole open. I think you're right. The second one didn't do as well, and the third the, one bombed. I think the second one was the best one, to be honest. It was great. I enjoyed. Wait, maybe that was the one that did the, the, the best. I can't remember what was the first or second. All I know is that the third one did not do well. That was not good at all um okay in spite of ryan reynolds's presence in it and right and also what was her name the girl from not Dawson's i think Creed. she was one of the problems yeah <laughs> she i don't even know why she was in there she seems so out of place I yeah it was weird and i don't, I don't want to just dump on that actress but uh, yeah she was out of place in that movie yeah i mean she's fine i mean i don't i never watched seven heaven or whatever Dawson's yeah where she came from but yeah, it was Seventh Heaven. Seventh Heaven? Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure she's a fine actress. I just, she just didn't. Yeah, yeah, she didn't work for us there. Yeah. All right, so, last article here. Good old Jeff Keeley. He's doing another gaming award show, but this time, it's for kids. It's for the babies. Yeah, yeah. It's for little children's, and I think this is great. Yeah. You know, we were all little children's, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Let the kids have something fun. That's good. Yeah, I like this. Um, so he's going to be producing the show with YouTube Broadcasting Network owned by DreamWorks Animation. And essentially, when asked, he was kind of asked like how it's going to be, how it's going to work. It's going to be just like the Kids Choice Awards, but essentially, it's going to be for video yeah. Games. They're talking about video games rather than uh, TV. Yeah, and they're going to have like big names in the in the like professional gamers and other big names in the game industry presenting all the games and talking about them. So I think that that's really cool. I, yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, there's no mention if he's going to actually be hosting it or not, but he, he's he's always a host. So I hope he does it. I like him when, I he, hope when he, he hosts. He, he at least like shows up at some point. Yeah, because they got to give him that much acknowledgement at the very least. Right. So. I don't know. This I thought this. I think this is cool. I love that Jeff Keeley's doing this, and yeah, we like Keeley on this podcast very much. So he's a great you got, guy. You got a bad word for him? You come to us, yes, and we'll beat your ass. We'll show you what's what. <laughs> we do it for you, Keeley. We do it for you. Uh, we do it for you and your Doritos and your Mountain Dew. It's Mountain Dew, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh man, I remember that. That was so bad. <laughs> you oh. enjoy it. You eat as much as you eat and drink as much as that stuff as you want. I don't give a shit. Yeah, he hated himself after. I think he said he regretted doing that or after I can't remember what he said I'm, after. I'm but. guessing if he hated it that much then he wasn't a big fan of Doritos or Mountain Dew. I mean, you could tell that he, just watching him, how uncomfortable he felt. Oh, okay, so he was clearly shilling. Oh, yes. 
Okay. I mean, it was plastered all over him. Just, I mean, come on. He, I'm, see, yeah. see, if it were me, if it was something I liked, I don't give a sh- I wouldn't give a shit. Because yeah. if like round table pizza came up to me and be like, talk about this for five minutes on your show. It's like, I'll give you half an hour if you give me free pizza. I think it's because they want, they told him to do it. And, uh, he, but when they told him to do it, they didn't just say, Oh, just mention Mountain Dew or whatever. Like, they, they said, no, read these lines off this script. Yeah, and then keep mentioning it and keep talking about it throughout. The, that's just come on. That's like shameless. Mountain Dew is a quality soft drink beverage. That <laughs> soft is drink beverage. A nonstop <laughs> excitement thrill ride that will send you through the roof. <laughs> that's right. It is only made better by a handful of Doritos. Yes. And he, yeah. eats, and he opens the pack. It's the least Doritos. Open pa- Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That'd be great. Mmm, this tastes good, especially with more Mountain too. Oh, man. Oh, Keely, we kid. Uh, good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, when this comes out, I, I definitely do want to check it out. Um, I, I bet it's going to be on YouTube. No, it's NBC. Oh, no, mm-hmm. they're, they're, purchased, they're purchased by NBC. I bet you it's going to show up on YouTube because it's um he's working with their YouTube broadcasting network. Yeah. So probably it's going to be shown on there. Yeah, you'll probably have the option to like uh, either watch it live or maybe purchase it or something. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. That is all the news stories for tonight. We blazed through those at a nice pace. Uh, so, topic, Lionel, break it down for us. What are we talking about? We're talking about licensed games, which this this will be an interesting way to like. Well, it would be an interesting way to sort of like judge the age age group of our audience if we had an actual audience. Oh. Let us know you're there. <laughs> uh, hold on. All right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I think I was just saying good way to judge the age group of our audience. So, yeah, because depending on who you ask, uh, you know what, what what a licensed game is, as to whether it's good or bad, or what's an example of a licensed game, mm. will vary very drastically. Much. Yeah, very true. Um, so, just to kind of kick it off, the ones we were kind of talking a little about this in the pre-show a little bit, but definitely the one that come to mind for me at least is the when Capcom worked with Disney, which still blows my mind that that even happened, and they made a whole bunch of like awesome, amazing games like Lion King, uh, Aladdin. I think there were. I'm trying to think of a few more too. There was a few more. Did they make Mickey Mouse? No, they didn't make the Mickey Mouse. The, wait, they did. They, yeah, they did. Mickey yeah, Mouse's they did. magical something castle or something like that i can't remember what it was but mm-hmm. yeah they did those i want to say and a de- def that yeah, capcom definitely did the ducktales game for yeah the- yeah and all of those games were amazing mm-hmm. simply amazing um let me think what else oh so so what was that games um it was the street fighter movie game it was the game based on the movie <laughs> well, I can't remember what was the title. Yeah, I, I, th- I guess it was like Street Fighter the movie, the game. That's what it was. Yes, that's the best time um, ever. You know, what's funny is in Japan, it's called Real Battle on Film. <laughs> Seriously, that's the name. Yeah. Oh, that's just that's well, just Street Fighter Real Battle on Film. That yeah. is that is that is perfect. 
That is as perfect as the Mega Man that was created in America for the box art. That that's how perfect it is. All right. Uh, so, was that game any good? Did you ever get a chance to try that game, the Street Fighter? Um, it's just like a very kind of like janky Street Fighter. Basically, imagine if you tried to like combine Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, but only kept the worst qualities of both. That sounds wow. That's that's it's kind of hilarious at the very least. Mm, Very much very true. Uh, Okay, so which which license game come to mind for you? Like when you when you think back from when you're playing those? Um, Well, I mean, those are the big ones, like the. the Disney games were huge ones. Aladdin on the Genesis in particular so good. was amazing. The artwork was like as close to ba- as close to putting the actual movie just in the game. Yeah, and the music again as close an approximation as possible. And those you know those an- those animations were just like lovingly drawn with like intricate detail, just like. <laughs> When you, you, you stop moving and Aladdin like whips out the apple and like rolls it <laughs> down his shoulder. And yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, so good. Oh, so, okay. So I'm thinking back to my Sega Genesis channel days and how mm-hmm. I had all those games. And I me- there were so many licensed games back then. Uh, so uh, Home Alone was one I remember playing. Mm-hmm. That was good, uh, and then there was, of course, the all the Bart Bart's Nightmare games, all those Simpsons games, all those, those Simpsons games. Yeah, those were very. There was good. a ton of them. Um, of them. I just thought of a, a one I really liked, and when you talk about lovingly animated and just having a lot of charm to it, the Animaniacs game on the uh, Genesis. Oh, I remember that. Yes, that was good too. Just so many, like, just the sheer number of in-jokes in regards to that, too. Like, all those characters across, like, all of those cartoons that was on my Animaniacs and getting to see them all, like, interact and become stage elements or bosses or did you <laughs> enemies or anything. Yeah, in that game, I'm trying to remember, maybe it was a different one. Did you, you controlled all the Animaniacs at once, did you? switch between the three. That, they, yeah. They all had a different mechanic, and those mechanics would work on different items in the, uh, blah, 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 in the, I guess, in the various levels. Yeah. Like, Dot would blow a kiss, and it would work on, like, male targets. Um, <laughs> Wacko had a hammer that could, like, smash stuff, and Yakko had, like, a, like, those, I can't remember what you call little paddle ball things. Yeah. That would hit certain enemies. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, man. And then there was the, um, Going back to Disney one more time, there was also the the Goof Troop game. There was Tailspin. Mm-hmm. There was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, God, there was a good. If there was a cartoon, there was a game. That's true. Yeah. Um, and and they actually would. put a bit into it. See, okay. So I guess the other big question here is that we're thinking about all these amazing games, licensed game back then. Like Tiny Toons was another really good one. And- yeah, they had a couple for Tiny Toons. And then there was like... Uh, <laughs> Various beat em ups, like oh, the uh, yeah. Spider-Man beat em ups and uh, the X Men games. Man, and the Batman games, too. I mean, there's some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Adventures of Batman and Robin on either system. God. They're completely different games, but they're both amazing. They really are. So, Especially the SNES one game, the SNES game in particular, looks gorgeous. It does. And the music was. So, what the heck happened? I mean, like, we have licensed games that come out nowadays, but they're kind of a joke. They just. I can tell you what happened. Games do. got more complex. 
Ah, see, I don't know if I buy that though. No, they, they only so got. Think about, it, think about it. Think about it. All, all those games we mentioned. Yeah, they're all in very simple genres. They're beat 'em ups. They're platformers. Right. Yeah. Sports games or fighting games, but they're all simple, all ultimately really easy design. You have this uh, skeleton that you can easily place the pieces on. Mm. And then all you got to do from there is just like, you know, add the charm, add the nods to whatever the license is, put this together in a way that sort of either progresses through what the audience is familiar or take them down something different with these characters they know and love. So maybe and, it, and you know when you get into like the PS1 era onward this is where gaming became less and less of a sort of easy pick up and play thing. Hmm. The games got more complex to play but they got easier which is one of the things that throws a lot of people off. Well, I think you made a good point there too also saying that they stayed very true to what it, you know, what the IP was. So if it was mm-hmm. Tiny Toons they really made sure that you felt like you were in the Tiny Toons worlds. I mean, the backgrounds, uh, just the characters, everything felt like it was from that world. And maybe that's one of the reasons, why, I mean, outside the, the complexities and the technical point uh, that you made, I think maybe also, too, why the licensed games these days just don't do as well is because they're just half-baked. They're just like, oh, it's it's just another licensed game. You know, let's, let's just, there's a movie coming out real soon, so just quickly, let's just make something real fast and, and make something fast and put it out there and then whatever. They don't put as much, like, thought and care into actually making sure it's trying, it replicates what the, you know, yeah, well, there's there's two things on that point exactly, and one of those is in regards to the, the lack of care is it's about the tie-in. Yeah, it, yeah. More so than making the good game. The game mm. isn't for the game. The game is for the movie. And the other thing is, is that remember that when you're making this game, you're making for when you're making this game for the movie, you're making this game for the people who watch the movie, not necessarily the people who watch the movie that play games. And that's why it sucks. So you got to make it as simple as possible. It's got to be something anybody can pick up and play at a time where games are anything but pick up and play. I mean, the reason why the Wii did so well is it was immensely pick up and play. Mm. It's the reason why like it, it has both its own crop of basically has its own crop of fans divor- divorced from the real console war between the uh, PlayStation and the what microsoft whatever the fuck is you know it's the simplicity it's like anyone can play these games whereas like just like think about the last time you had like your parent play the game if they didn't play it before were they doing that thing where when they wanted the character to jump they moved the controller up yeah wanted to turn one way they turned the controller I mean, people joke about, oh, yeah, waggle, blah, blah, blah. We is stupid. You look like an idiot. But they they picked up on something that people were doing without even realizing it and made that the gameplay mechanic. The the point is, is that you're kind of trying to serve conflicting masters when you make these licensed games on current consoles. Current consoles are gamer friendly and not especially friendly to anyone else. Yeah, and then when you try and make the game for everyone, we've seen what that happen. What happens yeah. with that? It just the suffers. quality takes a dive. You can't really do anything interesting because you got to make sure it's uh, pliable. Yeah, I mean, they like, make an amazing game with some exceptions. Yeah, 
I mean, the, the, I remember when the Ghostbusters game came out, um, I, I think that actually did pretty good because they were trying to make it uh, feel just like an authentic Ghostbuster experience. And mm. I played a little bit of it. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I think, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's just, you got to make that choice. You got to make it, you know, are we going to try and just appeal to the masses are we going to try and appeal to that small hardcore segment that we know are going to appreciate this game, you know, immensely versus just everyone else is probably not going to even give two shits about it. Because- yeah, and then you have to also consider, is the gaming populace trying to watch this movie? Right. Yeah. So it's like we can make the quick buck so, because the can, movie- can we really afford to put triple a money into this game right right <laughs> when we've got to like cross like two or more barriers mm. but um one one game found a way around it mm. uh the spider-man 2 game the the game for the second spider-man movie was it good uh it's Sort of, it's 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 serviceable on most fronts. Where Spider-Man Two really shined was the web slinging mechanic. Now you could turn it; you had the option of switching from a very very basic mechanic to just let you kind of hold a button and swing from one location to another. That was for the people who didn't really play games a whole lot. But they created an advanced mechanic that was like very in depth and mostly for the serious business gamers but it was really a treat for spider-man fans because it was very much like trying to replicate how like the physical mechanics of web slinging oh yeah like you each uh each of the shoulder buttons was tied to like an arm you like hit you know hit the button for that arm yeah spider-man would like you know fire a web up with that arm and you would kind of like either swing from one to another, like use the momentum of the swing and then like use the other arm to shoot webs to another thing and swing again. Or you would swing, jump off from the swing, glide a bit and then shoot another web. And then there were other mechanics. Like you could shoot webs between two buildings and kind of like, can't find the word, but basically launch yourself Nice. In different directions, you could use like zip lines that would like pull you suddenly or move you across out of the way. Um, you could do like crazy wall kicks and uh, just all kinds of stuff in there. And it was like as close as a game got, at least at the time, to replicating all the crazy midair, sh- mid-air shit Spider Man does with the webbing. See, now, now that's staying true to what Spider Man <laughs> was about. That's that that was great. Yeah, it's a it's a favorite. I want to say amongst Spider-Man fans in general, and it's something me, both me and Mike, would do with that game, where we would honestly just turn the game on to web sling and decompress. Wow, wow! <laughs> Wouldn't do anything but just like swing through simulated New York. It was <laughs> that stop a mucker. It was that fun, huh? Wow! Oh God, yes. Huh? Hmm. See now that that's doing it right, but it's it, it almost from what you're telling me, it sounds like they put a lot of thought and care in that one particular mechanic to make it feel, yeah, incredibly satisfying. So, especially if that's the only thing you're playing in the actual game, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's amazing. Um, let's see here. So, did they do any crossovers? Can you think of any crossovers they've done with licensed games? I don't think that's a really popular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
think of anything off the top of my head. There's probably one biting me in the butt right now that I'm not aware of. Go ahead. Oh, I got one. Oh, so, so um, I think you actually like this game a lot. The, the 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 game, the fighting game that Square made, where Cloud was in it, and it was a whole bunch like a street fighting game, kind of, but it had like. God, what was it called? It had a weird... Gear Guys? Yes, that game. <laughs> that was interesting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's, it, yeah. Square made this fighting game, and it's got, you know, like a unique cast of characters, but then they're like, oh, let's add some Final Fantasy VII characters. Right. <laughs> it's completely random. It's just, it oh, was man. totally random, but it was interesting getting to, like, you know, play a Squall and Tifa and Sephiroth and Red 13 in that different <laughs> genre. Yeah. It didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, no, but, it, it, it was, but it was fine, though. Oh, man. Um, I mean, we had talked a bit, a bit about it in the, from previous episodes, <laughs> but like Soul Calibur, how they have, like, the other licensed characters mixed in there. And, oh, my God! So my my brother is he loves the latest Mortal Kombat, and they put so many licensed characters in there, like uh, Freddy Krueger. I think was in there. Um, he was a nine, yeah, yeah, it was nine. And then um, I think oh uh, Kratos was in was in one. He was he was in nine also, and I want to say uh, like uh, they've had a bunch in X. Like they've Jason, had uh, okay. yeah, they've had Jason in there. They've had the. Uh, Leatherface, they've had uh, Predator. a Predator. Um, I think uh, they have a Xenomorph in there too now. Oh my god! Uh, and I think, and like, I'll talk to my little brother about it. I'll just tell him how absurd I think it is, and he'll mm-hmm. just start yelling at me and just like, "No, Joe, there's a story. It's a part of the story. It actually makes yeah. sense." And I was like, "All right, I, I guess that. I guess yeah, they, they were that. pulled from another world. You don't understand." That's what he tells me. It just oh man, what's his name? Um, Ed O'Neill. Ed, I I can't the the Mortal Kombat guy. I completely forgot his name, but um, um, um Ed Boon. Ed Boon. Ed O'Neill is from Married with Children. That's oh. right. <laughs> no, okay. So Ed Boon. Yeah. What I love about that man is that he has been doing Mortal Kombat since he's been in the womb, and he just yeah he. I would think someone would have gotten burnt out by that series by now, but he always gets so excited every time like they do interviews with him. He's so into it. He's so excited. He's it's yeah. Just, it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, to have someone that enthusiastic about a fighting game and just wanting to know where he can take the franchise next, and so yeah, I'm I'm happy that he you know he's adding all these new characters, even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think it's cool that he's finding new ways to kind of keep the franchise going and reinventing it almost. So, yeah, and and you know, just giving you a chance to mess around with these characters in the just in the area you don't normally get to see them in. Exactly, and when he, uh, I think it was either nine or X when they introduced the whole. Uh, I guess like X-ray body crunching. Oh yeah, thing. those like X-ray supers. Yeah, yeah. I mean that kind of blew a lot of people away with mm-hmm. that stuff. So. Anyway, um, that's the only thing I, I was wondering examples I well, can think of. Well, um, one stuff. thing I do want to mention yeah, yeah. is like uh, sometimes a licensed game will sneak up on you. Like you'll just know it as a good game and not realize it's a license. Um, technically speaking, any Digimon game you play is a licensed game because Digimon are originally digital pets that fight. It's true. Yeah. It came. It came from something completely different, even though. Hmm. It exists primarily as anime and games. Yeah. 
Um, a big one for me was this uh, 2D fighter called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> amazing 2D fighter with all kinds of like weird shit going on. And it come to find out, it's a, it's a Japanese comic book. It's a manga. And it's an anime, and, too. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's a big-time anime now. Like, it's finally getting the play it deserves in the States because of that anime. But, yeah. um, uh, but, 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 but you know, all, all those, like, weird elements that I was kind of interested in are all in the comic and usually have a story attached to them. There's that, that element of charm I was talking about before comes into play by, by including these things, not even necessarily explaining them to the audience, but you create an interest in the audience when you see it. It's like, why did this guy drop a steamroller on this dude? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why, are, why, are, why is this guy's special ability freezing time, and why can you, like, throw knives, but they stop mid... You, you know, <laughs> you'll have a lot of questions playing that game. Okay. But, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of fun doing it, and, you know, when you finally read the main, you'll be like, oh, that's why... And then you go back and play the game, if you utilize those things at the moment in time where they would have happened in the manga, you get a bonus and you can unlock shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> that does sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah, that's... I th- think we covered a lot for our different licensed games. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, do you have anything other... Anything to say about um, that, a big one for me and Mike, I'm sure Mike would have mentioned this if he were on, is uh, there was an Avengers game made like 1990, 91, 92. It was in the arcade and got ported to the Genesis and the SNES. And I think I played the most, most of it I played was on the Genesis. But that was just a really fun game. But that's like going back to like the simpler time, the simpler mechanics and... Because, you know, it was just to beat him up with some shooter elements attached to it. Do you remember what the, the full name of it was? Was it just called The, uh, the Avengers? I th- I'm not 100%. I kind of want to check that out. Yep. I did not. No, maybe I played it. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers or something. Yeah, you could pick between uh, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Captain America, and Vision. Was it on Sega? Gen- we used- it was on Genesis, yeah. I think I played that. I'm getting some flashbacks here. Mm-hmm. That game sound, yeah. Yeah, we probably all played it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any um, any '90s kid probably played it at some point. The um, arcade beat 'em up for Spider Man, the first one, was amazing. Yeah, all the the arcade beat 'em ups back then were actually <laughs> yeah, they were <laughs> so nuts. good. Yeah. Even the X Men one we, you mentioned before, that one was really really good. That was like that was the like quarter munching ass quarter muncher game I ever played. Yeah. I did get to play it one time completely for free. Ooh, speaking of uh, quarter quarter munch in there, uh, GTO. That's uh, <laughs> wait, no, I think I'm thinking the wrong thing. GTA. I think great teacher Onizuka. Yes, yeah, yeah, so that's me. That. What I thought about is like I didn't know there was an Onizuka game. <laughs> uh, uh, Initial D. I was way off. Initial D. Oh yeah. Initial D. That um, that racing game. I've yeah, that's played. a that's a big one because you can actually like have a custom car. <laughs> yes, and like they would they print out those little cards that keeps your car's information, and you can like race through the various modes against the various people, upgrade your vehicle as you go, and it's, it's, yeah. God, I mean, arcades were so invent. I mean, god damn it, they did some really cool stuff back then. I remember there were a few games where you had like a memory card you could move around. Or like would store your information on the, like the game card you'd purchase at the arcade, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just good feeling because because then you felt like 
you know, you were, you were a part of the arcade. You were like, mm-hmm. this is kind of like your second home now because a piece of you is there and you can always kind yeah. of continue on where you left off. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good times, but, but yeah, so play some license, just play some license game guys. Trust me. If you go like look back, like way back, there were a t- yeah. so many good licensed games. Most of the best ones are in the uh eight bit and sixteen bit era. There's probably some good ones thirty two yeah. and beyond. Yeah, I mean if, um for Batman there's you know the Arkham the Arkham games and all those. Oh games. god, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, those are very good. Just, yeah, they had like Adventures of Batman and Robin and I hear conflicting things about I wanna say there was one on the PS one called Dark Tomorrow. Ooh. Or maybe it was on the PS two, I can't remember. But um yeah, Batman kinda fell off for a minute. Like yeah, that there was that really good one by Sunsoft on the NES. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it like really all came together when they brought it back for Arkham. They really turned around. They not only made it an amazing game, they like uh, combined the best elements of the animated series and the comic book together. So much fun! It did. It, it was basically like, okay, you guys watch this as uh, kids, or you read the comics as teenagers. Well, it all grew up with you. Yeah, exactly. That's how good it was. Now, if you want a nice, good laugh, play Superman sixty four, and I promise you, arguably one of the worst games ever. <laughs> yes, I mean I played it. It's not as bad as people say it. It's really not that bad. I mean, it's a bad game. It's, it's more dumb. Yeah, it's just really you're flying through rings. It's so Why stupid. Why is Superman flying through rings? Why is every this all of this hinge upon Superman flying through rings? <laughs> right. What the hell is going on? Yeah, you just, I just uh, Superman just fly up to Luthor and punch him in the teeth. Right. You'll just you'll spend more of your time wondering what is happening here. Why? Why am I doing any of this? So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was it was funny. Oh man. Um. Okay, let's move on to some recommendations. How about you, Lionel? What you been playing? I finally have something to recommend outside of Stardew Valley. <laughs> and so I was uh, looking through my um, my oh god, why is my brain not working? Oh yeah, my um, Steam pile of shame. <laughs> And had been like trying to play some stuff with my arcade stick prior, and I'm looking through Steam for something I can also use on the arcade stick because I'm re- I realize I'm rusty, and then I find out I got a uh, top-down shooter on there called Jamestown. Ooh, I love that game. Very fun. yeah. So so for those who don't know, Jamestown is kind of like a a sci-fi take on the colonization of the New World later known to be uh, the United States. However, in the case of Jamestown, the new world is Mars. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, the Native Americans are aliens. Yeah, it's pretty And rather than, you know, being on a horse shooting things with a musket, you're on some crazy steampunk spaceship shooting giant monsters. It's a top-down shooter. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. It's got this uh, nice sort uh, of mechanic where you can trigger a shield that absorbs uh, bullets, and there's a nice scoring mechanic set alongside of that. And uh, 
one one you know, good thing they do during the tutorial is they actually show you where the hitbox is. Yeah. In the um, shooting game you have, the hitbox is the area of the ship you're flying that, uh, you know, has to be hit in order for it to dis- be destroyed. Uh, so if you're ever looking at someone playing a bullet hell wondering, it should be literally impossible for them not to do that because you see the bullets hitting them but they're not hitting the hitbox you see them hitting like the wings of the ship the tip of the ship the back of the ship (laughs) but not the center because that's where the hitbox usually is yeah and back to what you said about this being a bullet hell it is it is not an easy game it gets progressively harder it does ramp up yeah i still haven't beat it that last level it's insane is a monster yeah, it's it, but it's really fun, and the music is really nice, too. But they build you up to it, so by the time you do get to the last level, you've got a fighting chance. Yeah, so... you just got to keep working at it. But it, this, is, this is good in that it, it feels like it's made for someone who might like this game, but isn't necessarily it, at bullet hell. It, 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 it builds you up to bullet hell, and even then, maybe like light bullet hell. You're not looking at full bullet curtains yet. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, it's um, – and that's why I actually really do appreciate the appreciate about the game is that you can dive into it and not feel intimidated right right as soon as you start, which is uh-huh. – because a lot of bullet hell games are like that. They'll just toss you in the fire. Yeah, yeah. Like you try and play any of those um, – I can't remember what the name of that franchise Shmups. was. Shmup. I think they're well, called – well, no, that's that's shoot 'em ups. That's shoot like up. catch-all term for them. But um, I can't remember. There was some uh, franchise, some Japanese franchise, uh, ton of bullet hell games associated with them, and some crazy ass story with their own cast of characters. And like those games are apparently fun. There's like a whole world to them. But good luck getting into them if you aren't already a bullet hell master. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you get. It's funny because with those games, you it, it's it almost gets down to the point like like with speedrunners how they have to memorize each and every single little you know yeah. nook and cranny. With bullet hell games, there's little holes where you have yeah. There's to, like, there's position. an element of pattern recognition you have to find that you've got to be very attuned to where the hitbox is and how to weave through these things. Yep. So it gets a little crazy. Um, yeah. But if you're into that stuff, if you, if you're a masochist and you love it. Well, the the thing is, is I, I was kind of like looking into the basically just like like how this thing works. It seems like in the case of games like this, you bounce between two methods of play: playing to survive and playing for points. Like first, you play to survive. When you get good, you start playing for points. You start utilizing the score mechanic. It's not just okay. Let me not just let me just not get hit. Okay, let me keep this counter thing up. So I get double points rather than single. Okay, I'm going to hit this boss. Let me let it click down so I can use the shield again. And use the other thing is, is when you absorb bullets using the shield, you get like a huge boost in points also. Nice. So you start trying to plan out how you tackle the level in such a way that you get the maximum amount of points. And... You know, you play through it, it gets more difficult, and now you're playing for survival again. You play through that level enough times, you beat it, you play through enough that you get a feel for it so you can, like, go through it. Um, maybe not, you know, putting in a quarter every 30 seconds or whatever, and you're playing for points again. And then you go up to a higher difficulty, and now you're playing for survival. And then you're playing point survival, point survival, ad nauseum. Hmm. So it really does sound like there's a lot 
in there that will keep you busy and keep you, you know, basically giving you goals so you're not getting bored of the game. Yeah, there's unlockables and there's challenges. I want to say there's some extra levels. There's some DLC. I haven't seen what they are. I think they may just be ships, but I'm hoping there's at least an extra level or something. Or new guns or whatever. So new mechanics. Um, Joe, which mm. ship do you use? I'm trying to remember. Um, I, I don't even remember. It's been a while since I played it. So, uh, yeah, there's the basic spread shot. There's the one that lets you change the direction of one of the fires. There's the gun that has the charge mechanic. And then there's the gun that lets you blow up your bullets. I think the second one. The second one, I, I think the, I, the direction one. changing one. Yes. I think yeah, I can I can see how that one's convenient. I can't really use it efficiently. Mm. My favorite ship is the uh, charge ship. Nice. Uh, so, wait, you said you were using your um your get with your joystick or yeah, my arcade stick. Arcade yeah. stick. How is that? I mean, how is that working? Works with it? really well. Just like a again, just a heightened level of control. Mm. And um, also, jamming on those buttons doesn't hurt my hands anywhere near as much. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Uh, do you think you, you like it more than the mouse or the, having a gamepad? Oh no, that's. I'd say the arcade stick is my preferred way to play top-down shooters. Interesting. Okay, I don't think I've heard of a lot of people using it for that, huh? What- well, I played a lot of them in the arcade. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense then. All right, so that's it feels comfortable to you because you were so used yeah. to playing it in the arcade. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, well, that is definitely a really good one. Was that the, the ones you've been playing so far, or? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play anything else. I actually haven't gotten the chance to beat it yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I actually have not beaten it yet, so I'm actually kind of curious what happens at the end. So when you do, I still want to know what happens. <laughs> If you do get that far with it, because the game got really hard for me. Like, really, yeah, really I just, hard. I just like seeing, you know, that sort of setting, but still seeing all the weird shootery tropes applied to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like your villain is the conquistador. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a strange mix. <laughs> Very strange mix. Um, okay, so I've been playing two games. One on my 3DS, uh, I've just been oh my god, I've been enjoying it so much. It's um, the it's called Shantae. It's a series of games. Shantae. Oh yeah, that's like the little belly dancing chick that like whips things with her hair, right? Yes, it sounds ridiculous, and I, I mean that's what actually kind of kept me away from the game. It's, like, it's very cutesy. It feels very much like a kind of game we would have played in the 16-bit era. Yeah, in fact. Um, so I am, I'm playing Shantae, The Pirate's Curse, and it plays exactly like the games we were just talking about before, like uh, um, like Aladdin or like any of the, the old Capcom slash Disney games. It, yeah, those Disney platformers with the light combat mechanics. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's humorous. It's, um, it's very colorful. Th- this game, playing this game just makes me happy because it, just, mm-hmm. it, it feels so much like the games in the past that I love so much. And it also... This game is exactly why I love 2D so much. Yeah. It's just, well, it's, you know, it's just bright and joyous and yes, yes. Just wants you to have a good time. Yeah, and they're having a good time. Like, and what, what I like about it is that so, so the company that made it is called WayForward, and they kind of specialize in this I love WayForward. Their games are so great. Oh, God. Double Dragon Neon. Good ge- they're all good games. Um, so what I love about them the most is that 
you can tell they're anime fans. They're huge. An- well, Japanese. I mean, they they wear their influences and their loves and their love on their sleeves. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, um, Double Dragon Neon is just a send up to Saturday morning cartoons in every facet. Which is why it's great. I mean, so mm-hmm. they truly understand what made their, what made everyone's childhood great when it came to yeah. that kind of stuff and. They and they also really understand what makes anime great and just Japanese. Mm-hmm. Now the thing I love what they've done the, with the best and it really shows in the in the Shantae games because there's a lot of them that they've made is that it's it it's basically what I call Americanized anime. That's I guess the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And but what they've done is instead of trying to uh, try and how say this? Instead of trying to just emulate what anime is, mm-hmm. they're more playing um, like homage or is that the right? That's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for here? Um, tribute. There you go. That's, they're, perfect. They're trying to pay, they're trying to pay tribute to anime and what they and what makes it great. So even though the characters have the anime look, unlike a lot of fan made anime projects that I've seen. When they mm-hmm. try so hard to, to make, make it like point for point, point for point, and this is the thing that just drives me insane. What they'll do with all these fan projects is that they'll try and match the American high, the the high pitched Japanese girl voices with American high pitched, yeah, and like they'll they'll purposely try and raise their voice really high. And it ends up sounding unnatural. Yeah, it sounds really unnatural. It doesn't match well with this. They didn't do it, that. It's more like localization where they find, like, what's what's the American equivalent? What's that high pitch mean to the Japanese? Yes. Now, yes. what what creates that feeling in Americans? Exactly. And that, yeah. that makes the game feel really good. But also, you still get that feel of anime and what makes it great. And there's mm. lots of little, excuse me, lots of little in-jokes and stuff. And stuff about other video games and and mm-hmm. um, and other stuff. It's just it's just all around a fantastic game. It's well balanced. Um, the the progression is great. The pacing is great. It's just it just feels really good. The music is fantastic. So way forward. I mean, just top notch work with this game. And I I am just playing it. It's it's like a God. It's like a love letter to like all the classic um, like you know. 2d games out there i just i want to give them a big big hug it's it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. so great it's so great um yeah just check out any of their games if you want to feel like a kid again <laughs> yeah i looked up there on their website i was like oh my god this is this is everything that this is my childhood here i need mm-hmm. to play all of these games oh it's so great they are a good company. Um, then, yeah i still got uh, speaking of my pile of shame i got i want to say I don't know if I have Mighty Switch Force sitting in my uh, Steam queue or if it's on my wish list, but it's on one of those, and I just need to get it and play it. Yeah, that's another good one. That was one of their earlier ones, too, I think, like one of their first or second. They released that one for the DS. Ah. I can't remember one of them. That's what it was. All their stuff is rated pretty well. I don't think I've seen any of their games really get really low ratings. So Yeah, they're good stuff. Um and um, uh, props to I can't remember Michael something. Basically, their their go to sound guy. Ooh. The soundtracks of these games are always amazing. He they just, are. He just knocks it out of the ballpark every time. So that's that's probably. I mean, it's neat too because like you know 
because they have him on with all their games, they, they, they know him really well. He knows them really well. So that's probably why that it's always top notch every time because they're basically just, you know, they're feeding off each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Oh, God. Way forward. I, I got to find where you guys are and just. Yeah. This uh, podcast likes way forward too. <laughs> you got a bad word to say about them. Nope. You're going to have words with us. Yeah. Defend them till the end. Um, okay. Put the camel clutch. <laughs> yes. Make you humble. So the other game, which this kind of surprised me, I've uh, it's a mobile game. It's free, um, and it's uh, by Level Five, and it's a Layton game. It's a Layton, the Layton Brothers Mystery Room. Mm. And I don't know much about. I didn't know Professor Layton had a brother. Ne- well, but, uh, neither did I. And <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. In the game, this is actually his son, and uh, uh, oh. so this is like way, way in the future. And his son now owns his own, like you know, uh, you know, investigation place. And you're playing as like this new, like novice investigator, and he's teaching her mm-hmm. how to do everything. And the game is, I mean, it's really it's set up perfectly for touch because the way you investigate all the different mysteries and crimes is that um, you you ask people, interrogate people, you ask them questions, and then you have the um, the uh, God, Jesus, what is it called? The um, the place where you have to actually examine everything. Oh my God! But the murder scene, the murder scene. Yeah, the crime scene. Crime scene, and like you, um, it, he creates a three D representation of the whole scene, and you kind of have to search the place for clues, and you kind of have to just keep asking all the different. Pe- it's really fun. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, this is actually my first uh, uh Professor Layton game, and it's um, I can see why people like it. It's a uh, it's colorful. It's it's exciting. It's fun. The mysteries. I'm not super into mysteries type games, but this is actually mm-hmm. it's pretty addictive. So yeah. Um, what what's the? Do you need to have played previous latent games to play other ones? Like I'm I'm asking because at some point when I do get a three S three DS, the game I'm going to track down is the crossover between Leighton and Phoenix, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I want to have some experience with Leighton prior to playing oh, that game. See, oh, man, I forgot that game existed. Man, I want to Even play that. though I'm Team Phoenix all the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This is since I don't know too much about the Leighton uh, games, but from just playing this one, uh, it seems like you don't really need to know much about what's happening. It seems like Sherlock Holmes. Like you don't need to know. Yeah, he seems like that kind of character. And based on like, without going into the spoilers, the uh, events which occurred in Phoenix, right? It makes the two characters clashing kind of interesting. Now that I, I completely forgot that crossover existed. I need to play that. That looks sounds like a lot of fun. And speaking of which, I think they just came out with a new Phoenix Wright game, which is coming out in America. I want to say there's two coming out. Um, wow. One is a new one where I think Phoenix goes to like some sort of crazy pseudo Indian country, <laughs> and well, no, it's got an interesting mechanic to it. Um, but the other is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a sort of, I don't know if you'd call it like a prequel, a flashback. It's basically set in like a, I want to say, I don't know, I don't know if it's like like feudal Japan or what, but Ooh. like <laughs> apparently Sherlock Holmes shows up at some point. <laughs> All right, yeah. See that 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 just sounds like 
you know, a recipe for fun. That's all that <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta check that. I've always had fun with the Phoenix Wright games. I've never, I've never had a. Did you ever play any of the Trauma Center games? Yeah, I played the first one. I kind of beat it and kind of didn't. What did you think of the controls for that? I I really like that, that was. I want to say like the most inventive use of the. The Wii DS mode. touchpad. Oh, touch. Oh, yeah. Wait, I played on the, the, on the, the DS. DS. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, I imagine it'd be the most inventive use of the Wiimote as well. Oh, like, yeah. There's stuff and doing something really interesting, like a surgery sim. You're like, how would I? Oh, my God. This game is fun and it's hard. It is hard. It's intense, <laughs> it's, too. It's, it, it's really intense. Like, because you need a steady hand. Forget you're playing a game and you're like, oh, God, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the one wrong move. And your hand shakes a little bit. You just killed someone. So it's uh, it's it, whew, it's intense. You feel like you feel like a skilled surgeon. Yeah, like, through that game. Oh, speaking of skilled surgeons, this is totally uh, totally off topic. But uh, Blackjack, you, you, I think you're the one who told me about that anime. Yeah, weren't you? Yeah, that didn't they make a remake of that? Was that, was that the one? They've made a bunch of animes for Blackjack. Um, I don't know if they've made any games for them. I'm kind of surprised no one yeah. just like took the whole trauma center mechanic and made it like, okay, now you're Blackjack. Do all this crazy shit he does. Yeah, and that guy did some crazy stuff. Yeah, depending upon who made the anime you're watching, it can vary from you know patching up somebody on a moving train to operating on itself. <laughs> To exercising a, a, a dragon spirit from somebody using surgical techniques. <laughs> Let, let's let's step back here. What kind of what kind of balls do you got to have to do surgery on yourself? No anesthetic, just hey, freaking. It was it was it was there was some crazy shit going down. <laughs> right. You didn't read the manga. No. Yeah, it's true. It's some real shit, and it's, I think at some point he's trying to conduct the surgery on himself, and coyotes show up. Oh my god! Uh, I, I do need to. I do need to watch the life anime. of blackjack is raw. It, it, it is it's as raw as you're gonna get it. Oh man. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So those are the two games that I've been playing. I just. Uh, I wish the um, okay. So the Shantae game, I got that from a hum, uh, the Nintendo Humble Bundle thing or whatever. I did another one. I, I wish that it was still around. It, it came and went so fast. I wanted to tell you about it. Yeah, because that it was real. I paid like like nine dollars for like a shit ton of games. Yeah, that Humble Bundle is beastly. Yeah, for like the 3DS and the Wii. Um, and they had Street Fighter 3D, uh, 3D on there, and mm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not too big on Street Fighter. I think maybe you probably would have gotten more. It out was. Of it. it was. I played a demo. Uh, it was really. It's a really weird game to play on the DS. Okay, so it wasn't just me then. All right. No, it's it's a strange game to play on the DS for sure. Yeah, it's it's. You could tell it was a port. It felt mm-hmm. like a port. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> those are the only two I've been playing. Uh, and. Uh, okay, so let's do next part here. So before some final thoughts, let's tell everyone where they can find our shows. How about you, Lionel? Where can they find your show? Um, oh, yeah. So I do a show called The Old Taku Connection. If you want to be part of the connection and talk with us about anime. Um, I think our uh, Cat Blue Dynamite episode is coming up. Yeah. So if you want to know what that is... <laughs> 
you can uh, head on over to Hey Listen Radio or SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash Hey Listen Radio, our Facebook, our Twitter, or subscribe to us on Android, iTunes, or Google Play. Yeah. And where can they find you on Twitter? Oh, if you happen to want to just talk to me directly on Twitter, I'm on there as uh, at, or rather at, Old Taku Connect. Jumper Cables at Old Taku Connect. So speaking of Jumper Cables, we have a third person who's usually on here who makes sure that I know that's your name, Jumper Cables. Where you- Again, it's your show. You call me what you want. Where can you find, since Mike's not here, can you tell them where they can find Mike's show? Yeah, Mike's show is Hyper 90 Zeitgeist Breakdown, and it's a monthly show just uh, uh, sort of dissecting, exploring uh, what he calls the spirit of the times, the times in particular being the 90s, the era we grew up in. And I want to say at the time that this you're hearing this, the most recent episode would be... Captain America. Yeah, the Captain America episode. We uh, look at the 90s Captain America film you probably didn't know existed and talk about uh, other stuff related to the character. It's good. Did you and Mike do that little quick special on the on Civil, Civil War? War? Not yet. Ah, thanks. I, I, I but we will hopefully... I mean, since we've waited this far, maybe we'll wait till you see it and yeah. get the whole crew in. Yeah, I'm seeing it this weekend, so uh, definitely. It's good. (laughs) I keep hearing. Um, And his Twitter, I believe, is Hyper90s and 90s spelled out. Yeah, you got to spell out the 90s. All right. And for uh, this podcast, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handler, (laughs) handler, (laughs) I don't have a handler. Uh, Uh, I have a handler. (laughs) His name is Joseph Bichette. Yes. His name is also Michael Pangelina. (laughs) It takes two to handle me. And when our powers combine, we... They form A, Voltron, B, Captain Planet, C, none of the above. Captain Planet, Common Rider, I don't know, somewhere up there. Captain Planet Rider, yes, let's go Oh no, C is the Megazord. There you go, there you go. Uh, So yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NAGP Returns and... um, Hopefully soon I'll get back on there and I'll start talking about all kinds of nifty cool stuff about video video games and other cool stuff related. Yeah. Video games. Um, yeah. Talk about video games. So, yeah. For an article from me about game design in the near or distant future. <laughs> yes. We have been thinking about it and hopefully soon we will actually start writing some cool stuff on the website. Yep. Mm, uh, all right, let's do some final thoughts. Uh, what did you learn this this podcast, Lionel? Um, making games that are fun are fun, mm-hmm. and game designers you should do that more often. <laughs> yes. Um, you should also look to piece things together that haven't been pieced together before like gritty realistic shooter with hard sci-fi yes and you should do other weird stuff like that (laughs) like find different places to have sword play or um let me think of another one that i'd really like to see oh yeah like like 
JRPGs in the modern day or just in settings you don't really see. Hell, sci-fi, we haven't seen a whole lot of sci-fi JRPGs as late. Star Ocean's coming out, so like that's we're happy that that's happening. Yeah, like Star Ocean kind of has like the monopoly on it. Let's like branch out a bit. Let's do some some more stuff. Let's uh, you can try hard sci-fi. You could try sci-fantasy. I mean, you know, we could have a. We haven't had a whole lot of uh, RPGs set in World War One. You got oh. you got Shadow Hearts and that's Shadow it. Hearts too. Yep, pretty much it. Uh. That's depressing. (laughs) Wow. You know, there's a whole lot of settings you haven't really touched yet. It's always some, like, vaguely medieval setting. Mm. Or some vaguely medieval setting. Or uh, a precursor to uh, Shadow Hearts was Kudelka. I believe that's what the game was called. Yeah. That was also. And um, is it a spoiler to say she had an appearance games eh, i don't think so because they're actually a follow-up so well i, I won't say appearance. what her i think the bigger spoiler is like what her appearance is right yeah definitely play shadow hearts that is a gem that is something that, oh yeah yeah that needs to be well played. like it's just shadow hearts is really big on like doing things that aren't really done and having really out there characters yeah oh. especially by the time you get to three it's just nuts like you have like a <laughs> Native American guy doing the gun kata. <laughs> right, right. You've got a Brazilian ninja master. Yeah, they they just they go nuts, which is great. That's what you I want to see more of that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun. Fun. Right. Games. Right. Gaming. Fun. That was the whole You need more of it. Exactly. Skies and games. It's a good thing. Embrace it. Love it. And it will love you back. Yeah, and so will the people who want to play your games. <laughs> yes. Um, so for me, I would say definitely for this episode, after everything we've talked about, um, developers and just people keep making VR more accessible. It's good. It's very oh, good yeah. that, that, that that's happening. Um, it's VR is an exciting, amazing thing that is finally... You know, it's at a point where you know people can really build some amazing experiences around it, but it's just the barrier of entry is just too high for the average person. And mm-hmm. I mean, like the company, The Void, like we talk about, where they're doing like you know VR theme parks, or we're talking about these other people creating these devices that allow you to play these incredibly amazing uh, VR games that will require an expensive headset on a very simple little device. Like this is this is what we want: cheap, mm-hmm. accessible. So everyone can join in on the fun, not just a select few. Yeah, accessible is the clear thing, because whether it's the arcade or attraction-style experience, or it's the low-budget experience at home, right? or if you have the money for it, or just are determined to you know, want to buy it piece by piece, the high-end, however you want to do it. But you know, let's get as many people in on this as possible. Let's like throw the options out there. Yeah. And also... Let's 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 get these some art all tours in on creating these experiences. Yeah, man. This yeah. is a new art form. This is a new frontier. Go nuts. Have fun. Yeah. Learn who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Teach man. us to love again. 